Well, I don't often share with you why we choose sermon series and when and how and do some of those, but we find ourselves in a series I've wanted to do for quite some time, and that is a series on relationships. And I've wanted to do it around this time of February because it's the time of Valentine's Day, right? You know, we've inundated in all of the stores, hearts and candies and all the things that we do for our loved ones. Uh, this series, though, is not simply a series for marital or, you know, romantic relationships. I believe that it's important for all of our relationships. Usually we don't get to explore this together because Ash Wednesday and our Lenten journey is right often around Valentine's Day, and it just doesn't seem the greatest Valentine's Day message to talk about you are dust and to dust you shall return, um, or romantic ones, that is to say at least. But this month, we're going to be exploring some key components to relationships. We're calling it relationship goals. And I think it's just so pertinent for us because we find ourselves two years into the pandemic. And those of you that have been locked away with your closest friends or perhaps your significant other know that some of us might need a, you know, gauge check <laughs> as to far as where we are in those relationships and how are we edifying those and how are we going about building stronger, healthy, resilient relationships among others. Jesus, Jesus doesn't make... Oh, my microphone is popping right now. Let me see. There we go. Okay, we'll see if it goes. But Jesus doesn't make many commands throughout the New Testament. He doesn't tell all sorts of things of you must do this, you must do that, or the other. So when he says, this is my command, we ought to sit up with some attention and listen acutely. And it shouldn't surprise us, though, that what's most important to Jesus is what's most important. He calls his disciples here to abide in God, abide in God's presence and to abide in him, and then to follow his commands. Mind you, he says plural, but he really means command, which is love your neighbor, your friends, like I have loved you. To love your friends. And love is an interesting word, isn't it? We throw it around all sorts of time. I, I hit it on social media with that little heart emoji when I want to love something or like something. And, you know, I love pizza. I, I love this show. I love these things. And we say that and use it in ways that are difficult to really nail down what is this thing called love. And one of the things I say to a couple when they meet with me for premarital counseling is I say what I'm going to say at their wedding, which is every time I do a wedding, almost every time, I have a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, that writes to his niece on the eve of her wedding, and he was writing from prison at the time. Uh, and so he writes to her and says, from this moment forward, speaking of the wedding of his niece, from this moment forward, it is not your love that will sustain your marriage, but your marriage that will sustain your love. And what he means by that is that love is often used in this fleeting, emotive phrase. That what it means to love a friend is this idea of pleasure or joy that we might get out of those relationships. But true love, romantic and friendship love, is deeper than that. It involves what Bonhoeffer was communicating was a, some sort of a commitment, and that's something that we're going to talk about later. And it, it involves being steadfast, and it involves 
I think, being honest and open with each other. Another quote that lands my views on relationships is from a book called Godric by uh, um, Frederick. Do I have another mic up here, Kawana? Just if we need it. But Frederick Buchner. And in that, he talks about, or it's a story of an accidental saint. It's a, the mythical characters and all sorts of other things, but a story of an accidental saint who no one would have assumed to become a saint by the later end of the book. But ultimately, one of the quotes that kind of sticks with his sainthood is this idea that friendship is nothing but the giving and taking of wounds. What is friendship, after all, but the giving and taking of wounds? Laying, laying down our lives for one another, giving and taking our burdens. See, one of the things that we think about friendship, we, uh, there's, Aristotle talks about three forms of friendship. On the one hand, you have the friendship that what he calls utility friendships. Here, thank you, Kwan, I appreciate it. There we go. On the one hand, he has utility friendships. Friendships like work-colleague relationships that serve a purpose for something. Perhaps your soccer buddies or colleagues at work. You mutually serve each other, but it's really not about much more than that, just the work you do together. And then he has another mode of friendship that he talks about, and that friendship is the friendship of pure pleasure pure pleasure, right? You just have fun together. Perhaps it's the one you go sailing with, you sing with, you do those sorts of things with, but they're also the ones that, you know, don't know much about the inner workings of your heart, your mind, your life. You just enjoy time with one another. And Aristotle says that neither of those friendships are bad in themselves, but neither of those friendships are true friendships, what he calls virtuous friendships. Because virtuous friendships are the friendships where we can let down our guard with one another and be vulnerable and be honest and share together. Where we can let down our guard and be vulnerable and honest and share with one another. A, a, a reading that I was reading this week talks about the 10%. They're the friend that you let know that 10% of your life that no one else gets to see within that window of your heart, mind, soul. The 10% of your thoughts, your struggles, your challenges, not just your good days, but also the bad days and the burdens you carry. But we, as, as a people in society, we don't like to overwhelm our friends, our loved ones. We don't like to share those pieces with us. We like to be strong and resilient and support others. And so oftentimes you might hear someone, well, I don't want to, you know, burden you with this sort of a comment. I don't want you to have to worry about me in this moment. But Jesus calls us to not only bear, to bear our burdens with one another, to lay down our very lives for the good of each other. So to share a burden that you're going through with a friend or a loved one ought not be an obstacle or something you avoid, but something that you truly press into. So as we begin this series of relationships, the first task for us is our willingness 
to engage with our friends, our spouses, our partners on a level that shares with each other. In doing a little bit of the research about the pandemic and how it has affected us in our relationships, specifically in our spousal relationships, it's kind of, I was expecting all this to be like, uh, divorces are higher than ever, you know, breakups are higher than ever, right? You know, I was expecting some of that. But you know what I was surprised to find out is that what research at least is showing at this point is that, go figure, if you had unhealthy ways of communicating and being together prior to the pandemic, ways like avoidance or just preoccupation with other things or emotional attachment of your emotions are dependent on your partners. If you have those sorts of things at work going on pre-pandemic, most likely the pandemic has continued to bring those out, right? Spending more time in the same place with a partner or a friend continues to bring out the same challenges that you had and puts them in a boiler maker. If you have healthy ways of communicating, what, the, what they've shown is that our close friends and our spousal partners have been our greatest support systems throughout this time. So it's kind of like a both and. And so if you find yourself with good friendship relationships or good, you know, different things, you like feel supported during this time, perhaps, I'm not saying this is across the board, but perhaps you had healthy ways of interacting and communicating. If you find yourself like pulling your hair out, I can't do this anymore, perhaps it's a temperature check for you that you ought to consider how you might improve the ways you engage in those relationships. And here's something, some good advice if you're on the latter half of that, pulling your hair out, you know, stressed every time you go under quarantine, is that the counselors and psychologists, they say there's an easy thing that you can do. Rather than blaming your friend or your spouse, you know what you can do? Just blame the pandemic. <laughs> and just say to yourself, the pandemic is driving us crazy. The pandemic is the problem. And so now, now, let's, let's touch base and connect on these things together. Let's touch base and let's connect on these things together. And, and another study shows that couples that found themselves going through this uh, sort of practice together uh, that they developed uh, found themselves better off than they were prior to the pandemic. And the practice that they invited people to was a practice of journaling, of meditation, and then of coming together with a with the significant other and talking about what they've journaled. And you know what's surprising with this is it wasn't necessarily disclose all of the secrets or bring up all of the annoyances. It's journal about things like, what made your week worth living this week? What was your greatest challenge you encountered this week? Sharing with yourself honest reflections on where you've been and then intentionally sitting down with someone, in this context, a spouse, and talking about those. It seems obvious, something that many of us do, but the thing is, is that with, you know, distance learning here and there, with the busyness of our schedules, sometimes we neglect to feed our relationships, the key ones in our lives. 
And so this week, I want to invite you to think about, to meditate, to pray upon some of your relationships. The key ones that give you life. And I promise you there can't be more than five, probably, in your life. I think that Augustine talks about three true friends most people have if they're lucky. But write down five, three, you know, one to five friends or relationships in your life this month that throughout this series we want to work on together. And I want to invite you to spend time praying over those friends, those relationships, and journeying together with us. And what I hope that we find by the end of this journey is more life and more energy and more resilience in our friendships. But one of the first steps for us is a willingness to be vulnerable, to be authentic, to be who you are, where you are, in the emotions and the feelings that you have with the people that you write down. So do not write their names if you are unwilling to share the 10%. The 10% that you don't share in the conversations with a colleague or friends you meet up with at the beach. But write down the people that you feel that you want to press in closer this month. Pray over those relationships. And then let us hope that God can use those, build them stronger, help us lean more heavily into those. And then what we might find is that as we're more intentional about friendships, might seem self-serving or, you know, about us, we might follow the command that Jesus gives us, right? Jesus commands us to love one another. As he has loved the disciples, and they've moved from servants to friends, he says. So too, let us move more deeply into this unique virtue of friendship. In individual friendships in our lives, romantic ones, in our marital relationships. And it's going to take work in us, work together, and the work of God that we're praying would be with us, present with us, drawing us closer together, one around the table, where we can be fed by God's love and by the communion and fellowship that we share around the table. So don't be afraid to share during this month with your friends. To let down your guard, to be vulnerable, to learn to be one together. To abide in the love of your friendship, in the love of Christ, and in the love of God 